0: I think those guys better focus on uh, stage five or whatever it is, repeat, 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 repeat. I don't know about this, but when I was looking up at the screen right there when uh, you guys were doing announcements, Kyle looks like an Oompa Loompa or something next to you, Big Ben. I am am never doing announcements without a stool next to you, I don't think, because I just don't want that reference of... Yeah, you are a big fan. So we are we are working on uh, uh, spring cleaning, and uh, uh, I don't know, don't go up to their garage up at uh, Employee Housing. It is incredibly uh, cluttered. But if you went to my garage right now, uh, I love spring cleaning, to be honest with you, because everything has its place, and it's just kind of putting it where it goes and putting it back to where it ought to be. And I got about two places in the garage right now that aren't exactly like I want, but uh, I got to tell you, uh, uh, having things in order is maybe kind of a freak that way. Um, my family's right here, and they're—if they say "Amen," um, disregard that. Um, but they would say, "Yeah, Dad, you're a little bit of a freak, right, uh, about the house." For example, we don't have offices, you know. I mean, sometimes we meet here, but for the most part, we work out of our home offices or in coffee shops or at Health Zone or whatever. And uh, when I'm at home, I actually really can't work unless the whole place is as it's supposed to be. Everywhere where it has its place, it's there. And then I can sit down and get to my priorities. Um, And uh, like the refrigerator even, we call it refrigerator management, or I guess my family would say, I call it refrigerator management. And so, you know, at least twice a day, you got to put it right back so you can get to everything. Because if you're not, you're losing probably 20% of all your groceries and waste because you don't know they're there. And so... I wanna know exactly where they go. Dad, you're like that apparently, or someone in that family um, is connecting with that. It's gotta, be, it's gotta be just right, you know? And, uh, uh, and my, my uh, family gives me a hard time with this stuff, but I just gotta have it that way. I've taught my kids since they were super little, this phrase, it's easier to keep up than catch up. And uh, if you wanna take that, you can use that back at the house there and if you don't get anything else out of this whole message, it's easier to keep up than catch up. And so uh, we're going to do some spring cleaning uh, this, this time. Well, everybody else is in Moab, but us here right now, um, we got an opportunity to do some spring cleaning. And, it, and it's, we ought to do that um, because, you know, um, even if you're just driving around, you can see it's a good time to do that. I was coming in. West of town, out on the highway out there on Highway 40, and the snow is all melted down, and the grass hasn't grown up to cover all the trash that's actually there. Um, and so it's a good time to do some cleanup, and we're going to be starting a series right now called Spring Cleaning, and uh, I'm just teeing it up for you here, uh, just getting it started so that Pastor Troy, uh, over the next six weeks, um, can, can really bring some stuff that I think will be super helpful uh, for you as we, as we clean up. So I'm obviously not talking about how your house works. Um, although we have, uh, at my house, we even have Marie Kondo books on how to uh, set all that up. I'm not talking about that in your own uh, home. I'm talking about your interior and how uh, we can declutter our interior life. And that's where I want to go with this. And I think, actually, if you can take some of the things I have for you, just three things into this series, you can go into the summer wholehearted, fully alive, living out, loving God and loving people in a real fun way, if we could do some decluttering right now in our interior life. And so that's my promise to you, and I hope to give you some tools that will help you, help you do that. And uh, I'm going to use David, uh, an ancient king um, from uh, the Old Testament, and uh, he wrote some words in Psalm 51. And these words in Psalm 51, now, his deal is extreme. He's got extreme clutter, if you will, or an extreme situation. So uh, when you see his situation, I know that there's just very few of us who can relate to that. And so everything else under that is included in this. And so I think I'll be able to capture uh, uh, all of us and give us a hand here on spring cleaning here. So in Psalm 51, um, as we declutter our interior, I'm hoping that you're going to see attitudes, mindsets, behaviors, and even sins that have gotten in our way that we might be able to clean up, let go, put where they belong, and move on. Because in this whole Jesus thing, we were promised some things, right? We were promised some things that we were supposed to get, and uh, uh, things like peace and joy and uh, uh, love and all of those kind of things. And many of us as we follow, we find they are hard to find. And it could be because there's clutter. There's some things that have gotten in the way that we might not know or we might exactly know. And so uh, I want to give you an opportunity here out of Psalm 51 um, to start some cleanup if you want to. And uh, I hope to prompt you that you want to. We're going to hit topics over this next series like bitterness, self-control. I got the list here. Shame, insecurity, need for approval, need for control, offense, and uh, Uh, Well, those uh, uh, don't sound like topics that you really want to get into, but if you have the tools, I think you'll like uh, getting on the other side of of whatever might be cluttering your life. So if you go to Psalm 51, um, there's a bunch of verses, but I just want to lift a few out. Here's what I would do if I were you. Uh, I would, over the next week and then maybe over the next six weeks, I'd go to Psalm 51 in your Bible, and I would get so familiar with that that it was just simmering in your heart and in your thinking uh, as you listen to, I listen to every single, be here or watch, listen to every single one of these messages and take that uh, chapter and let it be your guide and filter and I think it will help declutter your interior self. So Psalm 51, David says, verse six, he says, surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost places. Verse 9, he says, Hide your, va- your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And then get this in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. You now I know many of you have been doing the Jesus thing for a long time, are really familiar with this. Matter of fact, if you've been doing it a long time, some of us who have been doing this decades, you may remember a song by Keith Green which was actually, I mean, this is like 50 years ago, so this is like, hopefully, not many of us actually know it, but uh, uh, it was these words. Create, I'm not going to sing it. Big Ben, you'll have to do that. But, uh, uh, created me a clean heart, very melodious song. And uh, maybe that's the way uh, Keith, 50 plus years ago, got it. Not sure. That's the way David uh, is reading it and saying it and singing it. I think the weight... When David says, uh, create in me a pure heart, which is clean heart, and renew uh, a steadfast right spirit in me, I think there's a weight there. And you gotta, to know the weight, you've got to know the back story, the back story for David. And it comes from uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11 in the Old Testament. Now, David was this king, and uh, he was like really the first good king of Israel. Uh, but uh, the chapter starts off and says, in the spring... I guess spring's a good time or a bad time, depends. In the spring, when kings go out to war, David sent his general and his entire army and they uh, captured and conquered the Amorites and, uh, or Ammonites, some of those ites. And, uh, and uh, it says he stayed in Jerusalem. And I'd make a, I'd make a note of that uh, before you get into the back you guys all many of you know this story he's up on the top of his house highest house highest uh, palace in the place and he's walking around cuz it's good to be king and it's good to have these guys off there fighting my war for me it's good to be here and they're going to win anyway and he sees a beautiful gal on the roof of another house and she's bathing and she thinks she has privacy privacy i don't know what she thinks we don't get that part of the story because he turns and says to a servant or whoever it is, go get her. They go get her. Her name's Bathsheba. They bring her to him. He sleeps with her, basically has an affair with her. The Bible doesn't pull any punches on what goes on. And, uh, uh, and then he sends her home. And... Uh, That's what kings do, I guess. Well, that's that, right? A couple weeks later, she sends a message to to him that she's pregnant. And uh, uh, so what does he do? He starts sin management. I think he's already been doing sin management, but that's what he gets to do because he's king. And... uh, well, we'll have to deal with this. Bring her husband back from the front lines, Uriah, the Hittites out there fighting for him, and uh, brings him back. Here's what I'm going to do. He comes up with this plan that he thinks ought to work. I'm going to have him come in. We're going to have a party. We're going to loosen him up, and I'm going to tell him, go be with your wife. It's okay. I'm giving you permission. And then he'll go be with his wife, Bathsheba, and he'll find out, or she'll tell him a couple weeks later, oh, I'm pregnant, and uh, he'll think it's, everybody will think it's his kid, and and then it all goes away and we avoid all of that shame and, and, or whatever that is, it's good to be king. And so Uriah comes in and he says, go, go be with your wife. And He goes, no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't dare do that. All my men are on the front lines right now and I would never do that with, uh, uh, the, because they can't do that. They're not with their, their families. They're not with theirs. I won't even sleep in the city. I'll see, sleep outside the walls and he sets up camp out there and sleeps out there. And uh, David's like, I don't know what I can do with this guy. And, you know what, that would have been a good one. Well, now I, got, I don't have any more options. He calls the general and says, hey, move right up to the front lines and then pull back when the enemy comes out. He'll be killed and this will be over. And That's exactly what happens. They pull back and now Bathsheba's husband is, is murdered And the word gets back to David. And so David, he puts out the public service announcement. You know, just taking care of the veterans, bring Bathsheba into my house and she can be my wife. And so he sets up shop with Bathsheba. He's now his wife. And um, all that intrigue, all that story, all that stuff is supposed to go away and be in the background. And it's good to be king. And he just manages all that away. Wow, is that a story? Did you get that? Now, how did that happen? You know, um, uh, it's interesting when you look at uh, Psalm 51, it starts off, well, you know what my sin is, but by the time you get to the words that I read, there's something going on much deeper. Because I think that whatever happened to David in the spring, that he would do that, was already latent happening already. That's not really how, we don't really make a conscious one-time decision, I'm gonna go do this completely wrong thing. Do you know following God, following Jesus is basically just doing the next right thing? God, what should I do here? What should I do here? Sometimes you find out that you're, uh, you're, you're not in the right spot, but it's easier to clean up and or keep up than clean up. So you just, look, God, I'll just give you that and just do the next right thing. I don't think that David actually was going, I'm gonna do the wrong thing. I think he just did the next thing and the next thing without even thinking about what was the right thing. We migrate our ways where we do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing until finally we find ourselves all the way back in the clutter about here where we're talking about the wrong thing as the right thing. How does the wrong thing get to be the right thing? Slowly and in steps. A little clutter here, a little clutter there, a little darkness here, a little darkness there. That's how it gets to be that way. And David um, probably was believing his own press releases and thought this all worked out and I got the girl and that's how the story's supposed to end. But God knows. So he tells this guy, God, tells this guy, Nathan, who's a prophet, I want, here's what David did. I want you to go and confront him. And so uh, David thinks the plan is working out, I guess. He thinks it's working out just fine. And uh, then uh, Nathan the prophet comes in and says, I have a story to tell you, king. And he tells him this story of of, uh, dishonor and um, this this, uh, guy who should be punished. And, And David listens to the story and goes, that guy should be punished to the severest extent as he listens to the story. And Nathan turns and says, it's you. It's you. And in that moment, In that moment, it breaks, and he is busted. Not by Nathan, but before God, because there's no way he would have known without God doing that. Nathan, he's busted, and he's crushed because he can't get away with it anymore. All of that management, all of that planning, all of that rationalizing and justification has just fallen off because Nathan showed up. That's where you get these words. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. I got too much clutter on me. I got too much darkness on me. I got too much and I can't see my way out of this. You know that clutter is usually emotional clutter. You think it's spiritual clutter, no, it's emotional stuff. It's anger, shame, and fear that have weaved themselves into more and more and more, that have caused us to be far or dark or unaware of what's going on in our heart. That's what was happening here. Because he didn't just do this once. This happened because of all that track record leading up to it. So I, I, I don't know... Uh, Usually, it's emotional things that are affecting us spiritually. We think we can be spiritual, but in fact, it's the whole picture. You can't be spiritually mature and emotionally immature. You can't be emotionally hung up and spiritually right on. If you're doing that, you might have some clutter. You're doing that, you might have something that's kind of clouding it, whether you see it or you don't. I don't even know that David, prior to Nathan coming in, even was even thinking about what he had done. He may not even have seen it anymore because it's good to be king or whatever he says or was saying or justifying. But it's the thing, you know I always say this every six months when I talk to you? It's the thing underneath the thing. What is the thing underneath the thing? Or like uh, Troy says, the junk in your trunk. What is that thing? because that thing is the thing is keeping you from all that you really wanted. And you might not even know it. So spring cleaning could be really helpful in in light of that. And so I don't know what it is, but it actually says uh, uh, back in, uh, I read it to you. Surely, uh, verse six, surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost places, because whatever was going on, I never would have thought I would have done that. If you have talked to David two years earlier, or I don't know when, you know, one, at some point in your life, you're gonna take someone else's wife, have a kid and kill her husband, and then make him your wife and you're gonna act like that was okay. He just said, I'll never do that. Matter of fact, if I heard of somebody doing that, I would punish them. David, don't speak too quick. Don't speak too quick. Matter of fact, you'll do stuff that you won't even imagine that you'll do. You'll do stuff that you might even have said two weeks earlier you'd never do. Ooh, junk in your trunk. But you know, living out Loving God and loving people, which is the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, which we just say, love God and love people, right? That's what it means to be spiritually mature, is to love well, and we can't love well if we've got clutter that's keeping us from doing it. At the end of the day, spiritual maturity is loving well, and more, and better, and deeper, and more authentically so clutter gets in the way of that. Mindsets, attitudes, behaviors, sins, that gets in the way of that. Maybe in a little degree or all the way over here like David. But uh, we can't live out loving God and loving people with a heart that's got stuff on it. So I'll give you three things to do this. And I would take this template right here and I would put it on every message over the next six weeks. First thing you got to do is you got to see it, okay? You have to see it. I'm going to take it from this, uh, create me a clean heart. You you have to see it. Uh, You can't deal with what you can't see. Have you ever noticed that uh, clutter doesn't turn into clutter, turns into where you think things belong after you leave it out for a while? Um, I've done some experiments at our house where you can leave something out, and I'm just going to see how long until it actually belongs in that spot. And you don't see it anymore. Matter of fact, you don't even recognize uh, you've, you've, you've got clutter. You have to see it. You have to see it first, right? You've been to the optometr- optometrist, right? It's easy for me to say. So I went to the optometrist not long ago, and uh, they do all these tests, right? The peripheral, how much vision you got. And they show me this, uh, this you know, uh, chart of my, my vision. And right over here, in kind of in this spot in the, in the chart of my vision is a dark spot. I go, What's that? Am I Okay. Well, that's your blind spot. That's where your optic nerve attaches to your retina, and you actually can't see through that spot. But the doc tells me that your brain has the ability to move around that spot and see, see what you actually can't see. So if you're in the blind spot, you literally are not seeing it come through that blind spot. Your, uh, your brain is doing a workaround so that you can see everything in front of you. But what happens when there's an injury or a sickness uh, or a virus or I guess there can be a number of causes... That can grow and your blind spot can grow larger and you actually don't even know how much you're not seeing in your blind spot. I'm obviously talking about emotional and spiritual blind spots here. That can grow because of injury, trauma, whatever those things are um, that uh, uh, hook you and uh, steal your vision so you can't see it, you know? Um, and in order, to, in order to get something worked out, you have to be able to see it. You have to know this clutter is there. So I want to show you the Jahari window. Throw that up there for me. Now, Jahari was a uh, psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever it is way back in the 50s, and this is a counseling tool. And I recognize that when you're speaking to uh, Steamboat Christian Center, there are actually professors in universities that go to this church who are uh, psychologists and uh, psychiatrists, so you can straighten me out later uh, on this. But I think this is kind of in, uh, insightful in how to see what we're talking about here. So some of you are familiar with this chart. Um, you can see these four grids, right? The one up in the top is known to self, and if you can read that little bit of writing on the side, is known to others, okay? And then uh, not known to others, but known to self, known to self, not known to self, but known to others, and then not known to others and not known to self. Got that so far? You see that? Maybe many of you have seen this already. So the, the one up, at the red uh, square up there, they call that the arena. That's what uh, you know about me, and I know about me, and it's out there. And, uh, and so we're all on the same page, and uh, there's nothing else going on. It's legit. It's real. You see it. And uh, you can count on it. Moving down to the left, this is the place where I know some stuff and I don't want you to know some stuff. Okay, this is the place where uh, we put up a facade and we keep um, that stuff that we don't want anybody else to know, that if you could keep that to yourself, and it'd just be fine if nobody ever knew that this junk was in your trunk or this uh, clutter was in your life or the mindset, attitudes, sins, and behaviors are a part of you. Then if you go up to the right, Uh, not known to self, uh, and it's known to others, this is basically American Idol. Um, These are those singers that are singing who think they are stars and they are terrible. They don't have any self-awareness that in fact uh, all of us are seeing exactly what they're not seeing. And they're walking around. This is the scary one, isn't it? That you're walking around and everybody else has you figured out and you don't. And you're getting all this weird behavior from people, or people are moving away from you, uh, and you don't know why. It might be this quadrant up here. And then the one on the right uh, is unknown to self and unknown to other people. Well, I think this is right where what I'm talking about comes in. Remember I said, surely, in verse 6, you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost places. This is the God corner here. I don't know if Jahari had that, uh, and I haven't... Seen this talk on this part, but we're doing it. Uh, I'm sure a lot of Christian people are figuring it out, but uh, I think this is super helpful. The unknown self, you know who's got this corner? God does. There is someone who does know what you don't know, and he, there is someone who does know what everybody else doesn't know. God knows what's going on on the inside. It says in this chapter that he's known you since birth. He knows what makes you tick. He knows why you do what you do whether you do or anybody else doesn't know, okay? Why would this be helpful? When I said the first thing is you have to see it. If I can get something from this bottom right corner, it can affect the other ones, can't it? So what if this isn't supposed to be a balance? What if that red uh, uh, square should actually take up more and more room? What if, I think the, the larger that red square would be in our life, the more spiritually mature a person you have, all right? So if, if, I, if, that, if that was open, if I was open and I'm not hiding anything from you and I have a lot of self-awareness of what's really going on with me and how I really tick, that's probably gonna be able to live out more authentically, loving God and loving people. I'm probably gonna be able to love people in a way that's different than if the, uh, the green square was primarily the size of what's taken up there. Even worse, the one on the left, where I got so much stuff I don't want anyone to know, and you all just get a little sliver at the top about what's really about me right here. But if I'm resourced to see if God knows the inner places and the inner parts, if he knows everything about me, how I got to be this way, Matter of fact, we even get this idea that Jesus says, Jesus is going to be the counselor, and then he says he's going to send a counselor to you. And the counselor is going to use the Jahari window. The Holy Spirit's going to use the Jahari window to lay it out to you. I'd like to reveal some things to you. You're safe now with me to listen to somebody come on the, on the green one, to somebody come and tell you something true about you. If a Nathan comes right now, you're safe because I got you. Because I know, because if you're resourced in, 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 from God, the Holy Spirit and somebody has something to say something to you, you could receive it. And by the way, have you ever noticed that 90% of the stuff that people say to you, they say it in a way that you don't like? Very rarely does someone come and bring something uh, in a way where you go, yeah, I just feel great about what you just brought. Let's get a puppy. I don't think that's how it works. you know what I mean? Usually it comes in a way... Uh, that stings or they didn't give it to you right or uh, if you were doing it differently, you'd have been nicer than them or whatever. But if I'm resourced by God, I can listen when the Nathan comes up on the right. And I'm also safe to be transparent and raise and lower the hidden self down and let people see because at the end of the day, what you think about me, needs to be filtered through what God thinks about me. And if I do that, I'm safe and I don't have to own necessarily all that you think about me, even if you've got some truth about me. Did you follow that? That'd be good news. That'd be good news for a lot of us who are hiding a lot of stuff. That, I don't, that because God has got me and he desires truth in the inner places, I can be more open to you and to myself. And that's what love looks like. That's what an uncluttered heart looks like. And I cannot make any movement towards that if I don't see it in the first place. The very first thing is you have to see it, okay? Then you have to say it. See it is really simple. So you gotta see it and you gotta say it. It's not enough just to know it. Diagnosis isn't enough. If You went to the doc and he said, this is your problem, And, dot. oh, no, I'm just telling you what your problem is. I just want you to know that's not enough, is it? Uh, Just thinking about it, actually, I think just thinking about it and just rehearsing it can be worse than not knowing it. If you just do that, I think we got to say it. I don't think you can go through something unless you own something, and I don't think you can own it until you say it. God doesn't need you to say it because he already knows what it is. You need you to say it so that you can get it out there to him and he might want you to get it out there to someone else. I don't know. But there's freedom in that. You got to see it and say it to move on with it if you want to get through it. And you don't get to go around it. That's more clutter. You have to go through it. So see it and say it here, here's the here's the next. Oh, and you know it says, "Oh God, right?" That's where I, you get David's heart. Cre- it Created me a clean heart, and I believe the "Oh God" is like this. Oh God, I believe that's what it is. Oh God, you really actually know what's going on here, and, I, and I'm just and that's a cry out. I think I don't I don't think this was a, a soft uh, melody. I think that's a cry out from the heart of of before God, being busted, having it all out there, dropping it all onto the floor and going, oh God, I cannot. I see it, I'm telling you about it, and I can't actually do anything about it. You are the only one who could do something about this. Please do it. Please do it. Because it says, you create in me a clean heart. I could try for a while, I can change my behavior for a while, and I might even be able to get you to think, back to the chart, I might even be able to get you to think for a while that it's working. But only God can really change a heart. Not just when you started following Jesus, but when the clutter comes along, when there's a lot of cleanup to do. That's what the cry out is. God, clean me up. Oh, God, clean me up. See it? Say it. Third thing, move on. Move on. Now, this one's a tough one, isn't it? It says here uh, in this verse, it says, um, and give me, well, it's what does it say? I say uh, sustainable, but give me a right spirit, a steadfast spirit. Do something in me here that the next time this thing comes around, the next time I'm on the top, well, I should have been out the war. I'm going to go out next time but now I'm looking over and I I see that temptation or I'm in that circumstance, give me a steadfast, right spirit, sustainable spirit where I walk through that, past that, on with that. Now I know uh, as bad as what David has done and what some of us have done, you think we have to stay here for a long time. I don't actually know how long God wants you to stay there, but it's probably less than you thought. I don't know how he's gonna, he's already killed Uriah, I don't know how he's going to make that right. I don't know how all that works. Two chapters later, 2 Samuel 13, it says that David is a man after God's own heart. You're telling me that this guy is a man after God's own heart and that was written after he did what he did? Man, we're talking about something more about God than we are about David in the reality of that. There's something more about what God does than what David did. I don't know how that is, actually. But thank you, Jesus. Honestly, thank you, Jesus. You gotta move on. I love this sermon that uh, uh, Troy did two weeks ago. Matter of fact, as he was giving it, I was thinking, oh, no, don't do it. I wanted to use that. So I'm going to. Um, it 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 was great. And there's something that just, popped as he was talking uh, from John chapter eight um, about that woman caught in adultery, right? And uh, Jesus turns to her and says, where are your accusers? Remember that part? Where are your accusers? Because he had just said before that, right? He had just said, he who was out without sin cast the first stone. And I could I could hear it, not audibly, but, In my mind's ear or eye, boom, 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 boom. You could hear the rocks dropping. Boom, boom, boom. The old guys dropped them first because they knew they weren't gonna be able to throw it. Boom, boom, boom. They fall. And then he turns. Where are your accusers? She says, they're gone. And he could have picked up a rock. He didn't. And what did he say? This is what got me. I love, I love this. What did he say? He said, go and sin no more. Think about that for a second. If I'm her and this guy just boom, 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 saved my life from a bunch of people who are gonna stone me I'm not going anywhere. I want him to say, stay and sin no more. He's saying more than that. And he's speaking from that all the way out to all the people who will hear about this. Go and sin no more. You know what you're supposed to do, lady? You know what you're supposed to do, David? You know what you're supposed to do, SEC person who's got a cluttered heart that says, I see it and I say it. You know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to move on and live this life out. And you're supposed to live and love well because your accuser's gone. Because he is ultimately going to make it so that nobody can throw a rock at you. Ultimately, just just in a couple weeks, he's going to take care of this whole thing. So there won't be any condemnation and nobody can throw a rock at you even if you do something like David did. It's not fair. You should get stoned, right? That's what she should get, but you don't. Matter of fact, he would even say this about you. You are my daughter after my own heart. My son after my own heart. I don't even see what you did. I cast that from the east from the west. You know how far that is? They never come together. I never see it again. I gotta see it. I gotta say it. And then I gotta move on. I actually gotta do something about it. I gotta gotta start living this life out because a lot was given so that I could do that. A lot was given so back to the chart that I could be truly transparent. A lot was given so that I can safely listen to somebody speak the truth and love to me and respond in a way that's redemptive and be more, and I can start to put away uh, the, the, the clutter. We're gonna leave that out because it's springtime. Um, we're gonna use this this afternoon, but that's gonna be it, and uh, we gotta put that away. You know what, we need to put this away, the pool that I'm really never going to buy, actually. That's a pool thing and uh, I thought this was super fun back in the day. I kind of laughed back in the day, but I don't think it's that funny anymore. And the kids, they moved out a while ago. I'm not saying put the kids away, but I don't know why I'm keeping that. And uh, we're not getting this out for a while, I hope. Um, We're putting this away over here. Because all of this clutter has been covering over. You said, give me a right spirit, right? And, uh, and that spirit is supposed to be giving me the fruit of the spirit, or things that I was supposed to get out of this deal, things like peace. I was supposed to have some joy out of this deal. And uh, the problem is stuff got up covering it, and uh, the clutter got over it, and I lost it. But I'm going to find it now because I'm going to say it. I'm going to see it, and I'm going to say it, and I'm going to move on because I need what... Uh, the Holy Spirit has for me. So if you're going to give me a spirit to walk this out, and I'm going to declutter, I'm going to need your Holy Spirit to give me what you, says you the Scripture says you have for me so I can be unencumbered and I can walk. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. So David, it says later in, the, in this, this chapter, you'll see it when you meditate on it. If you do this in my heart, God, if you give me a clean heart and a steadfast spirit, don't take your Holy Spirit, I'm gonna need your Holy Spirit, says, so I can have these things. He says, I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will come back to you. He won't be doing that transgressors. Let me talk to you. Language that would never work in our days. It takes one to know one. I'm the worst. I don't even really wanna tell you exactly what I did because if I did, you wouldn't listen to me anymore. But I can tell you God is good, and He will turn and tell you that you are a person after His heart. That's what David says He's going to do. If you do this in Him, I can tell you, I've had uh, on several occasions, well, a bunch of occasions, but one really big one. a Nathan, come. Have you ever read Nathan? Come, He told you what you needed? You thought you were getting away with it. You thought you thought it was working out, but it but in fact it wasn't, I've had a Nathan come and uh, uh, I can't even tell you how, um, what a lack of self-awareness I had prior to that. I had no idea the, what uh, the hurts that I had or the patterns that I had or the casualties I was leaving until that Nathan came. And uh, uh, and uh, spoke it, not in a way I liked. Apparently, in a way I needed. I don't know. There's something about that. There's something powerful. There's just something powerful about the brokenness um, that comes from seeing it, and and there's uh, there's something healing about the transparency that comes from saying it. And moving on might be the hardest thing because that's now how we identify ourselves, but that's not how God does. And there's something freeing about being on point and on purpose about moving on. It's real about this. If I were you, I'd take, see it, say it, and move on to each one of these things that Troy's gonna be talking about over the next six weeks and I think things will be different. I think the clutter will fall. I think you can be clean. I think you can have a clean heart and a right spirit. So symbolically, let's do that right now. Close your eyes, just sit in your chair, put your hands on your lap with your palms, your, your fists clenched right now. And whatever you got in your hands that are clenched right now, some of you know exactly what that thing is, and you've been thinking about that thing as we've been talking. And many of us, uh, we're just scared even to ask the question, is there anything that you would show me, Lord, that I don't know that I need to know? And then there's everything in between. Whatever you're clinging onto, or whatever's clinging on to you, whatever's covering up those things that God has for you, do you know what that is right now? I know it's gonna be hard. But we are symbolically, Lord, by your power, gonna open up our hands and drop it to the ground. Open up your fists and drop it to the ground. Boom, 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 boom. Lord, we're dropping these things and anything you're gonna show us, we are dropping it to the ground right now. Turn your palms up. And we're ready to receive whatever it is you have for us. We invite you to clean it up. We invite you to speak to us. We thank you so much that you've got us, that uh, cleanup can be hard, Lord. Forgive us for not keeping up, but right now we're trying to catch up. And with our palms open, Lord, we just wanna go forward, ready, to drop whatever it is and be palms up with you, that you would create in us a clean heart and give us a right spirit. We make room for you now. We want the clutter out of here and we make room for you. This is our surrender to you.